Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Hola, muchachos. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. My name is Chris Sinclair, and I am here with my uh, other muchacho, uh, Mr. Drew Garrison. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm good. This is easily my favorite intro of all time. If we started every every show with muchacho talk, I'd be like, yep, this is where I want to be. This is, this Don't is put exactly me in a box. the place. You can't put baby in a corner. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm good, man. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're the, to, to give some be- behind the scenes. This is our this is the second show that we're recording this week and we're really excited about it. We still have the energy for it. Um, it's uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving. And um, Chris, I don't know what you're doing, but as the listeners know, I just moved into a, you know, a, a new home that both my wife and I are very excited and very fortunate to be in this position, but we have 34 people coming to our house tomorrow. Good Lord. And I've wow. never, I've never wished for more cancellations in my life. Like I've just <laughs> kind of been like, I just hope that my phone gets flooded tomorrow. I can like, sorry, bro. Can't make it. I'm like, Oh no, I hope everything's okay. But, um, <laughs> But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think I Everybody think everyone's going to come in hot, that, and that's it. Like people want to come see the new house, and we're we're super excited to share it with them. But but of course that means that like you know the honey do list has been excruciating for for the past week as we get into like you know go time and stuff. And um, but but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be it's going to be great. I'm really happy to share it with uh, with my family. My extended family, my extended extended family, uh, probably some friends, um, other people who just like see something going on are going to show up. Like that, just kind of that's the vibe I'm getting right now. Um, just walk up the driveway and be like, mm, "This looks cool." Yeah, like it's like it's like this is a this is there's a lot of people going to this house. This is clearly a public venue. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think it's I think it's going to be I think it's going to be great. What about you? Do you have a Do you guys have any? like 34 ish people coming to your house tomorrow or what's the plan? No, nah, dog. We got two people. We got my mother-in-law and my brother and that's it. Oh my I, gosh. I, I actually was hoping for more, you know, I was like, Hey, did you invent, invite your aunt? Like, you know, none of my family's nearby. My brother took the train in. He's on a train right now coming down from Seattle. Um, because that's his preferred method of, of travel. Cause he's a sociopath apparently. And, um, <laughs> uh, and he, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get in early in the morning cause that's the thing he likes to do. And, uh, I am not going to pick him up because I'm a terrible brother and I don't want to wake up that early. Um, that makes sense. I mean, I know, think I, you know, I guess this I think explains why people aren't coming to visit us on Thanksgiving. It's all my fault. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're like, like, you guys can come, but I'm not going to make it easy on you. Um, yeah. 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 You just got to open up your doors. Well, well, that's, that's exciting. I mean, I think that's a little bit more of the pace that, that I would prefer, but I, nonetheless, I'm still excited for tomorrow and uh, I'm equally possibly even more excited about our guest tonight. Um, this person is someone who I've personally been following 
on on the social medias um, since we did a special release of our Fukano whiskey a couple years ago, and she was the artist behind the label. Um, she's also an avid whiskey whiskey reviewer. Uh, and has done some like really, really fun stuff. Like if, if you check out her videos, she does this really interesting thing where she has her arms out in front of her before like the video starts and then they drop and she's like, all right, let's go. Um, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but, uh, our guest, our guest tonight is, uh, Lynn, don't confuse her with an exotic dancer, cookie dough. Um, that's great. That's well done. Well done. Lynn, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm good. I'm so excited to uh, talk to you guys. You guys are so funny. So thank you very much for taking the time to interview me. Don't tell him he's funny. Don't do that. (laughs) Exotic dancers. Somebody's like, "Uh, we can tell. we it's, know yeah i think i think there's 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 somebody out there who's wishing for it so so don't even so don't even worry about that okay so all right so lynn i want i, I want to ask you yes um what are you drinking and what inspired you to do drawings of some of our favorite scotch distilleries and single malt whiskey distilleries from around the world okay so I am drinking a Springbank 12-year cast ring. <laughs> originally, yeah. originally, I was going to pull out a, a Gordon McPhail Scapa a 20-year, but I thought it would have been a douchey move to just be like, <laughs> oh, here's a random stash of Patsy 23. And, and then I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pour some Springbank 12-year and not come off like a total tool. And so... <laughs> I just really love Springbank just because they're traditional old school, but also having the opportunity to visit there. Um, they're not very corporate. And I just really feel much more comfortable with people who are casual. So yeah. if, if I just feel more at ease when someone, someone cusses or is slightly inappropriate, not that they, I don't know if I'm putting them on blast now that I've said that, but they're just <laughs> such a fun bunch. And, you know, they just, I just think for the price for uh, their 12-year cast rank, it's phenomenal. And I've just always been a huge fan of their whiskeys. But as far as starting to draw distillers, it was just because I first got into whiskey just randomly. I woke up one morning and my first thought was to use whiskey as a muse to write poetry. And then I just went to go to whiskey tastings. I'd never had alcohol or whiskey before. And I just remember there were brand ambassadors who were talking and I started to take notes just because I'm, I have such a hard time acquiring or remembering information when it's just being verbally told to me. So I started this catalog of just notes, tasting notes and that sort of thing. And I just had a hard time uh, referencing back to certain pages. And so that's how I, I, I drew little bottles and distilleries in my book to pinpoint where the references were and it just kind of blossomed from there i never made, wrote a poem but i drank like thousands <laughs> of whiskeys and i just started to draw distillery uh drawings and it just kind of went from there yeah that's so, that's, that's so cool. cool and i mean and, and again like uh you know like i said you you had done a label for us and actually former guest Buddy Newbie bought me one of the poster prints that you had done 
for the Vulcano 6000, which like has the astronaut on it. And it's just, it's all, it's just one of my all time favorite bottles and just like, it was so cool and it was so unique. Um, and then, you know, now when I, when I like look through your, your Etsy shop, it's just like, it's just so many cool like interpretations of like different distilleries and stuff like that, because for the most part and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, you know, it's, it's these like black and white, you know, stencil pen yes. drawings. I don't know the correct, the correct verbiage mm-hmm. here, but, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but like, they're like the perfect addition to like any whiskey den, any whiskey lounge, <laughs> anything that is just kind of like, and then, you know, you turn around and you're just kind of like, you're like, Oh, and then here's this woman behind it who apparently was just like, taking notes at first and was like, I should just draw this distillery. Like, this is just something that I should do, you know, which I think yeah. is really, really awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so I've, I'm trying to branch out to, I've done the black and white drawings and add a little bit color. And I also construct clothes inspired by whiskey. So it's just very, um, what? kind of, obs- yeah. Okay. So that is something right. that Hang despite on. the fact I that more- I, in, Yes, I need agreed. more detail. Need more information. Uh, how do you? What is this process? What do these clothes look like? How do I get uh, all of uh, them? <laughs> Sorry, you guys are so funny. Because <laughs> um, you know how some people will say that well, whiskey is only made of three ingredients: it's yeast, water, and grain. And so, sewing is very much the same way, where you have a, a needle, thread, and cloth. And you can make so many different things. And whiskeys, you have these three, three ingredients, but you can make so many different types of whiskeys based on the distillation process, the different type of casks, where it's aged, how you treat the wood. Is it aged uh, outside for two years? Or are you like drying it by a kiln, etc.? And so it just enabled me to understand uh, whiskey on an abstract and spiritual level. So I can grab one of my dresses real quick hold on yes yes just for for the viewers that was her dropping her headphones on the table and then now she's picking them back up and grabbing the dress for us (laughs) some of that feedback was (laughs) Uh, Uh, so this is a dress uh inspired by talisker um so that's the distillery. Oh, there's a distillery, distillery on the dress, there. you guys. Holy shit. It's like so at first at first when she started to say Talisker, like the color sequence on it, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I can totally see Talisker. And then she like pulls it to the side. And by the way, there's there's a rendering of the freaking distillery on your dress. Like <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, I've never yeah. I've I've never been one to wear a dress consistently consistently, but like guess what? <laughs> I think I I think I have my first dress that I'm going to be getting. Like that is so cool. Oh my gosh, people are going to lose their minds over that. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. So I just really enjoy uh, making dresses just because it helps me understand whiskey in a different perspective. So that was a, a an inspiration behind Alexander McQueen, uh, who's an amazing designer, and I wanted to tie it in with Talisker and. Uh, I learned through just doing it intuitively that um, Alexander McQueen, although he was a London-based designer, his family is from Isle of Skye. So when he created his fir- his line, one was one season it was called the Highland Rape, not to get all dark and boomy, 
Um, <laughs> it was just really controversial, and I just really liked this idea of this. Uh, you know, I think whiskey or or alcohol is just very political at times, and so you get to see this sort of interaction and this historical interaction between the the Scots and the English, and um, so that was just fascinating to me. And this idea, that sense of place and origin, and how people come about and process the world. That is that is awesome. And I've and I've never felt this way before, but I kind of feel like I want to scratch like the rest of the episode and just like try to get you to interpret the way that you see whiskey moving forward. <laughs> because it's it's such a um I mean obviously again like I've I've been an appreciator of all the all the stuff I was familiar with, but I didn't know your thought process going into it. And um I think it's funny because so before the episode started, you were talking about like, you know, you'd listen to a couple episodes and you could you could, you know, kind of pull from those like, oh, like you guys know what you're talking about and you're well educated. And I'm sitting here listening to you talk about not only just like distilleries in sense of place and, you know, and how they're made, but then also these different designers and then how they tie together. And I'm like, I'm like, OK, well, you're just operating on a different level. Like, we're not <laughs> even this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think that's I think that's really, really cool, and it's and it's a uh, and I'm and I'm super stoked that that we that we're, we have you on here. So now like, I have a I have a much deeper appreciation for like the stuff that you're putting out, and hopefully, you know, all of our guests or all of our listeners will be like like oh yeah, now I got to go check her out and see what she's <laughs> doing and and all that fun stuff. So no, I think that's super uh, rad. Drew, Drew just got tasting roomed. That's, that's what just happened. That's, uh, that's exactly that's, what just happened. Uh, yeah. So that's a. Yeah. So that's a. So the 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 being tasting roomed is basically you know when you go you go to the the winery and you're on that wine tasting tour you go to the distillery and you just fall in love with the whole process because you're in that place and you fall in love with like the people and stuff and then. And then you like, and then you walk away from me. You're just kind of like, it's no longer magical. Like, what happens? Like, I don't get it anymore. Uh, so, uh, thank you. Yeah, no, that was great. It was, no. uh, uh, so, are the dresses of like the clothing? Is that available mm-hmm. for people to buy already, or is it still in no. work, work in process? No, I just make it for myself so I can understand whiskey. <laughs> it's so silly, but I had this one. Um, I made this one cape this glenfiddich cape because i was very fortunate to be the artist in residency in 2019 so they paid me to live there for three months so i would wake up and every day i would smell new make spirit <laughs> it was just so amazing and um i just hand stitched uh, the the william grant and son's um family logo and that took 80 hours oh my god so it was just um I just like the idea of attention to detail and the handwork and how things take time. You know, when Springbank, for example, one part of the distillery, still room in Glenfiddich, they still use direct fire still. So it's that, that romanticism of that hands-on kind of process that I really am fascinated by. Yeah, no, and this and this is great. I'm okay. I, like, I so was excited I have a question. about this. Yes, I, I got to know, um, are like, are you getting so you, you talked about uh, William Grant a little bit? Um, are people hitting you up for for like, like our small distilleries? Like, hey, I know, like, we're not William Grant, but like, we're in Oakland. Could you come draw our warehouse or something <laughs> or make us no, look really that would, cool? 
That would be awesome. I'm I I would love for that to happen. I think I just feel much more comfortable talking, like being somebody else's hype man. But I'm very terrible at promoting myself because then I feel like such an awkward douchebag. And so, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not good at making money. Basically, like I'm a terrible adult human being because I can't add or calculate or understand math and science. And I just, but like if we talked about art and music, I can talk about music theory just a little bit. And like, I'll just mention with somebody, oh, you know, when I had this Glenn Morangy signet, it reminded me of this particular opening to Rachmaninoff piece. It's just very specific because when I analyze flavor profiles, I oftentimes think of the treble clef and the bass clef and everything in between. So there's a certain cadence to it too. So you have this kind of crescendo or even thinking about flavor profiles and the aftertaste and it starts to have the cyclical effect. It's sort of like uh, this term called the capalafine, which just means that you repeat the a few bars of the before like the actual ending of the music piece. So that's just how I understand whiskey. But then if you say, hey, what's 10% of 2.5 million? I, j- I, I don't know. <laughs> like I had somebody we, who I just- also don't know that, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> or like, no, I just had somebody who asked me like a basic math question and I was just so nervous. I got frazzled. He said, oh my God, you're so bad at math. I said, yeah. I know. I'm a terrible Asian. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I can't I can't parallel park either, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god. I think I think the the way that you the way that you talk about whiskey like actually makes me a little envious of it. Which is kinda like it's like, oh my like I, I mean I definitely so so when like when I talk about whiskey, especially if I'm doing presentations or things like that, like I try not to get too specific in terms of flavor profiles, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody's palate is so subjective. And you don't wanna yeah. you don't wanna make you don't wanna alienate people with like picking up a tasty note that maybe they don't pick up or or something like that. But I think the way in in talking about it in relation to music is such a great bridge for people that I need to adopt that because I feel like that's 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 such a better way to kind of bring people in, right? Where you're just kind of like, all right, well, like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't tasted a whole lot of whiskey. It's like, but I've heard this song a bunch of times or I can go and hear this song or I can, or you can explain this song to me. And there's like, there's a little bit more of a baseline there because everyone kind of has like that foundation of music in their life. And um, yeah, I'm going to totally steal that from you. I just want you to yeah, know. That's really, that's really great. You know, I, 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 uh, we have continuous tastings at, uh, at, at good bottle, uh, my store, um, with, um, you know, staff and whatnot. And one of the things that we, that we often talk about and that people, people will bring up <clears throat> is how they taste something, but they're not able to pull out like those tasting notes. And I, we, we continuously try to convince people and like, and tell them like, look, that's just the way that we talk about this stuff. What we want everybody else to start doing is really like allow, you know, close their eyes and like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when they're sipping, you know? And, and mm-hmm. for, I try to convince them, you know, to like think back into their childhood and like come up with a, a, a moment in time that, you know, maybe it, it reminded them of, or just like, just the first thing that comes to mind. And I try to get them to go into like their memory bank, but I think yeah, music yeah. is so maybe 
anti-cerebral. It's very emotional. Um, and obviously there's a, a huge cerebral portion to it, but I think for, for majority of, we'll say amateur tasters, I, I think that's a, an amazing move. I think you know, like drink this, you know, does it make you think of Nirvana or Red Hot Chili Peppers? Like, which one is it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, hit me. Yeah, yeah, because like, uh, you know, in the wine world, they'll always say, oh, it's got top notes of this. So when I think of top notes, I always think treble clef. What's hitting my nasal cavity? Bass clef is what's hitting the throat. And then the mid palate is just everything in between. And then also you have like the beginning, the tip of the tongue to the middle to the back palate. And then the after the finish. So there's this horizontal, vertical graph thing happening that i think it's very interesting okay i have to know do you do you write music also no do you know how to read music music? yes i used to study classical music and so it helps me understand whiskey would you ever i'd be so fascinated to see this would you ever be willing to taste a whiskey and write your write the notes down in music form Oh wow. That sounds really cool. I I think that sounds really challenging, but it could be <laughs> I, I mean it's way <laughs> outside of my wheelhouse. That's that's a non starter yeah. for me. But you yeah, sound yeah. like you at least have or you know, somewhere it's somewhere in your language that you understand. That's, so I don't that is the only Asian thing about me was that I was classically <laughs> trained in piano, aside from liking Hello Kitty. Everything else is just like Whiskey. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I That's think Hello Kitty is pretty universal now. Is it? Oh, I, I didn't think know so. that. Okay. I think you just like <laughs> robbed her of some of her identity. Way to go, Chris. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you have a rice like, cooker like... at home? <laughs> no. You don't have a rice cooker? That's it. You're out of the club. We, we have a... <laughs> A pot and we use, wait, we do use that one index finger measuring thing. My wife is, uh, is, is half Chinese and uh, I never knew the finger trick my entire life uh, until yeah. I started dating her. And I, it took me four <laughs> or five years to actually learn how to do the finger trick. And she would get so mad at me because I would measure. I would measure. She's what like, is, what are you doing? What is, you use your finger. Is, what is the what is the finger trick as the oh, as the I, I guess the 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 only like white guy here now like um, <laughs> what is the finger it's, trick and no matter how big or small the pot is when you fill in rice you use the line of your the line of your finger the first line and uh-huh. that's where you stop the water point and it's always perfect every time usually yeah wait what what you, so yeah. you just <laughs> So as long as the water only goes up to like the first, uh, I don't even know what this is. The first bendy part of your, of yeah. your index the finger. Knuckle? Yeah. Knuckle? It's a knuckle. The knuckle. But yeah, but it's like the other side. Like I have, she pointed the other side. Um, oh, okay. The inside I'm sure knuckle. There's a techni- yeah. I'm sure there's a technical <laughs> yeah. thing for that. Okay. So that's what you do. Like you just stick your finger yeah. and that's how much water is needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to try this. Let's see. I'll, I'll get I'll get back to you guys. Be like, what the hell? Um, okay. All right. I, I I do think I do think that there's another conversation to be had here. But in the interest of what our show typically is, let's 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 move. Let's let's start to move. Forward. Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, well, because holidays and cleaning off my home bar and like uh, just pulling stuff up and organizing it, I came across a a, a bottle of Nochino that I had made. 
uh, many cool. years ago with uh, with uh, Jason Poole in in what was the Preservation Kitchen, which is now uh, Midtown Spirits, and um, and this uh, it, we accidentally aged it in glass for fifteen months uh, because we we forgot about it or we couldn't like sync up our our schedules. And this is hands down one of the best nochinos I've ever had. Um, my, okay, my so recipe, what goes what goes into the okay? There you go. What goes into the nochino? Okay, Nochino is a is a is a green walnut liqueur. You take you take walnuts from the trees before they're fully ripened, while they're still in husks, um, and you you soak it in booze uh, with other flavoring agents. In this case, there's like a little bit of clove, a little bit of cinnamon, um, some orange peel, lemon peel, um, and you let it macerate over over many months. Typically, typically, you know, it's supposed to macerate for like three to six months, uh, and but in this case, it macerated for 15 and it's just astronomically good it's really really delicious nice oh, that sounds awesome how much of it is left like is it just the bottle i have uh, uh i'm gonna use bar lingo here uh, i've got like a 1.8 so i've got like one and then uh and then like a 80 percent of of this bottle deal and i'll take that's some. it and then that's it it's good um, really delicious. There, I think there's a few other bottles just like floating around there. I don't know because I made it with um, a couple friends as well who earned themselves a, a couple bottles here and there. Jay Pool might might even have uh, a couple at home if he didn't consume them already. Um, but this oh, is oh. it's really delicious. And you know, ultimately, I want to like uh, I have this like dream of of making a Nochino commercially available because again, I I don't like making money apparently. Um, <laughs> Um, but I've always I've, I've enjoyed making Nochino over the years and uh, and I, I don't know what it is about it. I just I really enjoy it. So I, I'm working on that. I've got I've got, you know, irons in the fire and, and what have you. But this uh, this was the first like home run version I've, I I think I've made. I'd made many, many, many really solid Nochino batches uh, throughout the years. Uh, what makes it hard is is that it's incredibly seasonal, right? Because like walnuts only ripen one time a year, and that's it. And if you don't if you don't get them off the tree in that like three weeks, you're done. Like you're, you you got to wow. wait a whole other year in order to get them again. Uh, so luckily here in Sacramento, you know we're in the heart of it, so I can I I've got a, a few homies who have plots of land who have some trees, um, and they they let me go harvest harvest a bunch of them, um, and uh, and and make a ton. So. It's fun. Wow, that's awesome. Your your commitment to the abstract never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it, I guess. I guess. I guess. Like I said, I'm still in for half a bottle, so you let you let me know. All right. All right, cool. What are you drinking? <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I don't even want to say at this point because like both of you guys have like are drinking like really cool shit and um I'll, I'll say this. Okay. I drank some really cool stuff tonight. Um, I have. Are you backtracking? You're, you're really... not even. You're not even going to admit what you're drinking right now. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to. But you I do. Are... I do want to say that I. I'm I got unfamiliar to have... with Drew feeling shame at all. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really this is, this is it's really weird, unfamiliar for me as well. Night. So I just. I mean, I had some really big time whiskeys earlier, and I just was and 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 I told my wife I was like, "Hey, we're going to drink some wine tonight," and um. So I 
I ended up having some bigger whiskeys than I expected. So I was like, oh, I want to do something a little bit light. And I'm going through my collection right now and I'm, and everything's like all over the place still, right? Like we're just, we're trying to get it situated. We're trying to get it moved in and into its place. And a few weeks ago, I bought all of the Charles Woodson intercept wines that I found at this store. And for the uninitiated, Charles Woodson is a um, NFL Hall of Famer, former Heisman Trophy winner, and arguably one of my all-time favorite players. Um, and I uh, and I've always wanted to try his wine. I'm in, and I know that it's it's not going to be you know the most mind blowing thing. But I was like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, we're gonna finally pop this bottle open, and it's a Pinot Noir. It's out of Monterey, which I do like Pinots from from Monterey, um, and it's got great packaging. He does a he does a bourbon as well, and the bourbon's packaging is horrendous. Like I have no idea who he hired for the first bottle, and then was like, fuck it, let's get let's get this kid. <laughs> I saw I saw this twelve year old over there. Like let's hire them for this because um, it's just it's legitimately an awful label. Um, so I'm drinking I'm drinking the Pinot Noir and. Uh, you know, it's it's getting the job done. It was really good with meat and cheese. It's not very good on its own, um, but uh, but yeah, especially after hearing like what you guys are drinking, I was like, I was like, this is the worst. Like, I definitely <laughs> have like the worst option. Like, it it's it's appropriately priced. It's not going to kill you if you're a Charles Woodson fan. You got to do it at least once. You know, do I think I'll buy this bottle again? No. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> but I'm proud of my boy for doing it. He's extending, you know, like he's he's expanding his his career. And then and then to the people who I know are going to come at me for the celebrity <laughs> celebrity alcohol thing. There's uh-huh. there's 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 clear there's clear things and clear lines that I draw when it comes to celebrity endorsed stuff. If your base product is annually harvested, I typically do not have an issue with you. Because that stuff is always around. There's not a whole lot of time that goes into it, such as like agave is going to take a long time. Second, this stuff. So his uh, his pinot was produced in Monterey, and then his cab. Um, totally blanking on it right now, but it's also in California. So it's not it's not exploiting a labor force um, the way that again someone doing maybe something like a celebrity tequila would be doing in that scenario. So there's kind of the caveat, you know, number two is that doesn't really, you know, kind of go from there. And then also I think there's like this, this oversaturation of wine anyway. So there's plenty of people producing and kind of going out and guys just throwing their labels on there. So, so I don't think this counts just quite the same as, uh, as the spirits industry. And especially when it comes to exploiting rum or agave production, uh, but, uh, you know, if you're a Charles Woods, Woodson fan, if you're a Raiders fan, if you're a Packers fan or a Michigan Wolverines fan, you know, buy one of these, be somewhat okay with it and then move on with your life. So, um, <laughs> that's a great endorsement. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be the, you know, I'll, I'll, although I'll, I'll say this, if, if he ever asked me, he's like, you want to be my brand ambassador? I'd be like, I would, I would be like, Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, I think it does hit on all those notes that you expect out of a California Pinot. Um, and, and I've talked about this before, like I've kind of been ruined on Pinots cause now like I'm very familiar with Burgundy and 
uh, Pinot's like how Pinot Noir should be. And, um, and I don't think, I don't think I'd be as ruined if we just called it something different because it is so <laughs> different. The California Pinot versus the French Pinot. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it, it's, it is a, it's a good looking bottle with, we'll I'll throw it up on the Instagram so you guys can see it. Um, they, I think it's, it's understated enough without being too boisterous. Again, if you see his bourbon bottle, there's no excuse for it. It is absolutely garbage. <laughs> and I tell him that via social media all the time. Um, so, so I don't know if he's got the message yet, but I have actually met Charles Woodson and he's a great guy. So I really do hope that this, uh, continues to well. Cause I, I do like when we were talking about wine, when I met him a few years ago, like he was, he was actually like, he actually knew some things. I was like, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Like you actually can contribute to this conversation. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's enough about NFL football players and their, and their wines. I think it's time for our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay, so in our first story, and this is actually a couple weeks old, and I apologize that we didn't cover this uh, sooner, but um, Johnny Walker has named its new master blender, and it is going to be Dr. Emma Walker, which uh, she will be replacing Dr. Jim Beveridge after 20 years on the job. She's going to be joining um, uh, or she's going to be leading a team of 12 people who will be responsible for not only continuing the great reputation of Johnny Walker, but also creating new expressions for the line. Um, She will be joining other blenders in the industry, such as Rachel Berry from Glendronic and Kirsten Campbell from McAllen. Um, One takeaway that I think I have for Diageo here is that if your name is somewhat associated with the whiskey, you got a good chance of getting the job. So obviously Dr. Emma Walker (laughs) has that going. And then again, replacing, (laughs) replacing Jim Beveridge. It's like, come on guys. I think you have a pattern here. Um, So, uh, with, with that fucked, said, by and, the way, no, no, you're done. You're done. You got you have to get into the cookie industry. That's, um, it, that's, the only, that's it. You're done. That's, that's the only thing that you have to do. So, um, you know, on, what on the show, up? you know, like, you know, Chris and I, Chris and I do talk a lot about, um, about the, the palette of, of women being superior to men's just because that is just science. There's, there's no doubting about it, but this is still a very significant, um, move for the industry. And we're, we're very excited to see what Dr. Uh, Walker comes up with and what she's able to add to the conversation when it comes to, you know, I think it's the most widely distributed blended scotch in the world. So, I mean, her influence is going to be felt, you know, kind of throughout. So now Lynn, you know, you're, uh, you know, coming into this industry, like, you know, you came in from kind of a different part, but you also, you know, have, have come up against a lot of kind of like the stereotypes of whiskey and, and things like that. Um, you know, when you see news like this, that such a prominent brand is now putting a woman in charge, like, what are your thoughts? Like, what are your, I mean, what are your feelings towards the future of whiskey and kind of what the impact is now? Um, I think, you know, as you said, people have always mentioned that women uh, has it's scientifically proven that women have a better palate and that sort of thing. Um, I don't. I'm glad to see that that people are a little bit more open because when I first got into the field ten years ago, I wasn't even aware that there was a certain code and etiquette within 
the whiskey industry and even more so with the Scotch industry. So I like when I quit social work, I just went straight to Scotland by myself and I was just like making dick jokes. Like this is how bad I was. Like when like I know like Hey Hey Club when it came out and David Beckham had his whiskey, I wrote a <laughs> review where I said, Hey, I hear you drink a whole bottle of this. David Beckham will magically appear and he'll teach you how to score goals with his balls. Like that was like my spiel <laughs> with Hate Club. And that's the and best endorsement like, I've heard of Hate Club. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's and, true. That's true. I just love a good ball pun. And I was doing like one-handed cartwheels at, at the distillery. And um I didn't even realize that people were kind of like, who's who's this like crazy like asian chick traveling alone by herself like doing all these weird things like i thought i was normal but apparently it's just something you don't do in scotland and so like when i was writing these kind of abrasive semi-snarky reviews of things people didn't really like it now that now 10 years later i i do see that brands are a a little bit more open to it to that sort of casualness because you know i think the industry always has to reinvent itself um, every 10 years. But I think Glenfiddich, for example, their company model is reinventing the brand every three to four years. Um, Maybe that's the way it is in in the, uh, like every alcohol brand. I'm not entirely sure, but um, I'm glad to see that, that, that women are are being celebrated. Um, But at the end of the day, I I would like it to be um, like people are doing it just because they're actually good at at their job and not more so as like a political thing. Like I feel like you have to earn it, um, and clearly she has because she's she's done it for twenty years. Um, and she's got the but, right last name. Yes, and she's a doctor. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get what I get what you're saying, and, and I do I do think it's important to point out like there's obviously the merits that Doctor Walker has that she has and the time that she's put in. I mean, just just being at Johnny Walker alone, she's been there for the past 13 years. So so it is something, oh, and I don't and I don't want to take I don't want to take away from anything. Like this is this is a really great um, uh, great thing for the industry, and like she's going to take over full control on January 1st, but this is also the same company who thought walking out Jane Walker, the blended whiskey for women was a good idea. You know, yeah. now again, well, that's a completely and, and different really set of important people. To right? notice, well, it's important to notice that she's the mastermind behind Jane Walker. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She, she's, she is the one who created the the concept of Jane Walker, which is, which is, I think more so on, on Diageo and on Johnny Walker to like their communication and their, their ability to tell that story fell so flat. And this is a, this is a big problem that Diageo has across many many platforms and across many many brands they're not very good at telling these stories they're very good at branding they're very good at marketing but in terms of storytelling and nuance and details like i mean let's look we don't talk about it on this podcast because drew is very against it but bullet 
they don't touch that story. They don't talk about that story. They they don't they don't you know, you're supposed to just either be with it or against it. And if you're against it, they don't want to talk to you, right? And they're not willing to tell you a story. They're not willing to talk about it. This is another one of those where, you know, they didn't they didn't put it out there. They didn't advertise that Emma Walker was the reason for Jane Walker, which is a huge misstep. Like what yeah, a great that reason been- to like you can celebrate this woman who's so incredibly dope and obviously is dope because she's taking over their master blending um, yeah. uh, program. It would have been a great reason to tell that story and could have made them look even oh. better. But instead they like, yeah. hey, you know, they didn't tell the story and, and folks still think that it was just like this huge pandering misstep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, for somebody like her to step in and you know it's like you said it was like johnny walker is the largest blending brand so uh, yeah it's such l- a largest big blended, blended scotch whiskey yeah so it's it's just so impressive to be able to like tackle that because i i couldn't I, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way i would be able to do that you know so i didn't see even the I had no idea that it was her who created the that concept because from a consumer side, all I heard was, oh, here's this woman. And it was just like, let's pander to this whole, well, we got to celebrate women now, I guess, because of the Me Too movement or something. Right. Like that's that was right. the impression that I got. Yeah. Totally. Also, just to reiterate, um, my official stance on Bullet is no comment. So that's, um, that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's, I, I think the future is, is bright for, for Dr. for Dr. Emma Walker and everything that she's going to do. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a whiskey that I'm reaching for all the time. Um, however, if someone offers me a Johnny Walker, I'm probably going to take it. So, um, I'm, I'm firmly okay with that. And then it's also, it's also one of the, you know, the one thing that when I do whiskey educations and you kind of do like your fun, um, what I call your like uh, cocktail party talk, you know, like or your good coffee table talk is uh, the, the reason that Johnny Walker ends up becoming one of the biggest brands in the world was because of the shape of their bottle. And the reason that those bottles are square was because it was easier to ship them when they were square bottles and they would break less. So because of that, more stuff would reach further places. And that's why it's now one of the biggest brands or a contributing reason oh. to why it's one of the biggest brands in the world. So, um, so that's a little, little, little tidbit for you guys as well. It's like, well, it's like uh, Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels being square. So he doesn't roll around under, underneath the, uh, the seat. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, just like little practic- practical bottle shapes that ended up being like the best decision for um, for the brands behind them. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any any other thoughts on on uh, Dr. Emma Walker replacing no, I'm, Dr. I, honestly, Jim I'm just, Beverage? I'm excited to see I'm excited to see um, how she how she um, sort of maybe not reinvents, but but where she takes the brand. You know, Johnny Walker, like you said, is such a huge brand already, such a household name. Um, and the unfortunate misstep and lack of lack of narrative about Jane Walker. I'm really I'm, you know, curious what she learned from that and 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 
what sort of uh, strategic market moves she might make with the brand going forward as far as she's able to, you know, as master blender. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I always I kind of feel like when you're selling whiskeys to be, or just any alcohol to anyone, it's, it's kind of like buying a car and there's different types of consumers. Like Johnny, when you hear the name brands, you see Glenfiddich, Johnny Walker, McAllen, like the, and Glenlivet. So these are kind of safe brands that you see everywhere in the market. And whereas like, you know, single cast nation is definitely for a niche group for um, people who are chasing these independent, obscure cast strength whiskeys. Um, so I'm not going to sit and try to convince um, an avid Johnny Walker drinker to like buy a single cast nation. Like their palate is like completely different. I don't, I don't think they would be able to handle like a super strong whiskey or, mm-hmm. you know, cause everyone's like a different animal in terms of like the level of extent of like obsessing over whiskey or just being a casual drinker. So mm-hmm. I think I sometimes get a little bit de- detailed, but like in the past when I worked on um, off premise market, people will say, I like a smoky whiskey and to really understand the person's palate, you have to kind of, break it down into categories. What is the level of smoke and then the intensity of smoke? Are we talking about salinity factor or how bitter something is? And so I always kind of measure like here's Highland Park, lightly smoky, and then you have your Ardbegs on that heavy spectrum and then Talisker's in the middle. And we just kind of bounce off from there. So I don't know if I just went off on a tangent. No, you're dropping truth bombs on people. I love it. Yeah, it's this is this is fucking awesome. I think we just added a third host to the show. I mean, this is <laughs> this is the reality. We're gonna hit some different. Uh, we're gonna put some different demos here. This is amazing. I'm excited. Token Asian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so our next story, and and something that I think I think Lynn's gonna be able to really offer some some insight to as well. Uh, and something that's really kind of uh, really starting to get a foothold in our industry. And it's interesting because actually uh, one of the first people that that I heard bring up this con- this concept was uh, Chase Babcock from um, from St. Benevolence, one of our former guests uh, and, you know, one of the one of our favorite favorite rums in the world. So, Chase, we miss you. We love you. Come back to us. Um, hopefully your dad's still listening as well because he's also dope. But um, but Penfolds, the Australian wine, which is I I love Penfolds. Anytime I can get my hands on some, I'm like, oh my god, this is great. Uh, they are going to be selling their first NFT, uh, which will be which you can start you can start buying. It, I think within the next month, and then it but it won't be released until 2023. They're working with Blockbar, which is a, uh, a blockchain company that will be able to facilitate this, but there's only a certain amount of bottles that people will be able to buy is out of a single barrel. And each NFT will uh, come, you know, with the, the bottle number and it's bottling date. You'll also be invited to a special tasting and there's a couple other benefits that are, that are involved with it. But the price tag of this NFT is going to be $130,000 for a single bottle of wine. Um, 
and or one bitcoin. I, I had, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's close to that. Um, I I had it earlier, and now I can't find my freaking note on it. But a NFT, just for the uninitiated, is a non fungible token. So it's not anything that you actually hold on to. And the reason that they're doing this is. Um, they want to reach a new level of collecting and new type of buyer. Um, again, this is something that people actually would not physically have in, in their hands until 2023, but they could theoretically sell it multiple times before then. And the rights just go from one to the next. So when I initially read it, I was like, I was like, okay, so they're selling futures, right? Well, they're selling futures on wine, which is something that is very familiar. Like you, you buy a wine at a discounted price and hope that when it gets bottled in a year, it tastes even better. And it's kind of a way to, you know, in to kind of infuse a bunch of money into the winery. And then also like you get your bottle at a discounted price and da this, da that. But um, Lynn, when, when you read this, what mm-hmm. were, what were some of your thoughts? I mean, again, like you're, you are an artist, like you, like that's where a lot mm-hmm. of NFT started was with people's, art mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. existing on these blockchains and stuff like that. I mean, did this, yeah. I, I don't know how familiar you are with <laughs> NFTs, but like, um, I, I feel so anxious, ancient because I've, I've always done hand, hand pen workmanship and I've never gone digital and, um, and like, let alone work a computer. It's kind of embarrassing. Like my tax guy, a few years ago, he said she can work an Excel sheet because there's somebody who's 10 years older than her who's got it down. And then when I couldn't even figure out the basics, he had to tell me to go into his office. So that's how bad <laughs> I am with technology. And so then <laughs> I started hearing about NFTs and, you know, these like two-year-olds making millions of dollars. I said, fuck, I'm doing wrong with my life. You know, um, there's a lot of... <laughs> Um, I've been asking myself a lot what the fuck I've been doing with my life that's gone so wrong. Um, <laughs> but that maybe that's a topic for another day. And so I, I injured my arm from drawing so intensely. Like uh, there was this one person who said, you know, I've never heard that somebody can actually like aggravate their nerves from drawing. Usually I hear it's from rock climbing, but I'm an intense person. <laughs> And I was just trying to draw it for like 12 hours straight. So long story short, I was trying to figure out how to like, do the digital stuff. And um, I've only recently heard about art going that NFT route. And I remember with, again, with your the podcast you did with uh, Elijah, and I thought you both brought such an interesting point is that there was a particular uh, wine that's been around for a long time, but they do this QR code and that you appreciated them for just like keeping up with technology and just uh, yeah. learning how to like stay updated. And so I'm, I just recently learned how to do um, digital art kind of. So it's, it's pretty exciting. I think with businesses, you always have to adapt and I'm kind of like a crotchety old man. And I like really hate <laughs> learning new things, uh, but but reading this article that you sent me, I think it's quite fascinating to see how um, creative uh, people are doing stuff. And I think I need to get in on this bitch. Basically, I just want 
I just want to be on a yacht somewhere wearing a gold chain and just pretend I'm some rapper when I can't talk fast and just, you know, not not be poor, basically. <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> Preach, girl. Preach. Yeah, I, I think, oh, man, the, I think the interesting it. thing... Yeah, the interesting thing here is that, you know, with a lot of it, with a lot of NFTs, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, is that they never become something that's actually like tangible, right? Like it's always mm-hmm. going to be in this digital form. Whereas this particular one is starting just as that. Like you basically have this receipt that says like you're going to get this bottle in two years. Although mm-hmm. as soon as it sells out, because there are only a finite amount of it, there's a good chance. Mm-hmm that you could turn around and sell this again in a year, you know, even though the bottle's still not ready, like you might be able to. And so, and that was like the thing that I kind of thought was interesting because it was like, all right, you've, you've sold these futures on it, but you've also made it transferable. So people can see the value of this thing and they can buy into it or they can do all these different stuff. Um, I don't know, Chris, what, what was your impression of this article and the fact, and, and and just so everybody knows, like, you know, we get a lot of our stuff from like the Mark Brown uh, update. And this was at the very last story and half the story got caught up, got cut off. So, or no, actually pretty much all of it got cut off, like the entire body of it. It was just like the tagline. So it was the headline and the tagline in the, in the, you know, the headline was Penfield to sell NFT. And then the only thing that says like bottles are going to cost $130,000. I just was like, I was like, <laughs> well, I need to find out more about this because this is insane. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Chris, what, what were your impressions? Well, I, I appreciate you um, inserting your, your opinion on on it being wine futures because that was the first moment I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That is what this is. Because I, I, I like Lynn, was having a very, like, old man in my rocking chair on my front porch screaming at kids <laughs> to get off my lawn. I just did. Like, I didn't get it. Um, and especially for a company like Penfold, which already has just this insane collectability about them um you know they're one of the most like highly coveted uh uh international international wines next to like alpha omega and you know rothschild and whatnot and you know a few few others penfolds is is really up there so them trying to up the collectability game is a little confusing to me because they're already at the peak so they're I, they're trying to like smash through a, an imaginary glass ceiling that they're creating and then going even higher, higher than that. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating to me. And I mean, fuck it though. You know, the sky's the limit. I'm really interested to see where this goes, see if it does mm-hmm. take off. Um, you know, I, I think maybe their version of, of new collectors really is just, you know, sort of the nouveau riche and people who maybe, like Lynn said, like two-year-olds who became millionaires overnight with with NFTs who who maybe didn't really know uh about penfolds or didn't don't know wine itself. And they just they're they have a way to spend their money and so they're going to do it on this, right? Yeah. And there's always something always alluring that just plays very primal into our brains right this idea this hunter and gathering this idea of like searching for the new and i think this plays into it you know because like how often do you see people going to your store and trying to see if there's something hidden in the back oh that they ask <laughs> me every time like is this everything yeah like, in the back? 
Every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just that hunter gather chase <laughs> that's still in our our DNA. Yeah, just like with the the um, the people in in Denmark. My friend was telling me that on the walls, like people from the I from I don't know man cave era, they were tagging, and it said, "My last name is Simpson, and I f this person." And I think people are still doing that, <laughs> you know. So it just made me laugh how um, how evolution <laughs> has come through hundreds of years. It's, it's not or apparently or apparently doesn't happen at all. Like there's actually no evolution. It's just people are the exact yeah. fucking same for the past ten thousand years. We just have new uh, toys. Yeah, we just have new toys. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think both you guys are, are are totally on. I mean, it's it's definitely this thing that's unfamiliar, right? And it's um, and it's a little, and it it is it's it's hard to make sense of it. Now, this is also coming from somebody who has like a terrible collecting habit, right? Like just just you know, point something out in like the room that I'm in right now. You know, it could be like the excessive amount of rum bottles, the excessive amount of comic books, the excessive amount of football cards. Like I just like I have I have addictions in every single place. And I think when you're somebody like Penfolds, you know, you look at someone like me, well probably someone with more money than me, but like someone my archetype, right? You know, that has these addictive personalities and kind of be like, okay, like we have this wine that everybody like wants, you know, or that like everybody enjoys. Like I said, like I love Penfolds. Like it's, it's one that I don't get to drink very often, but like if I see it on a menu, I'm probably going to order it, you know, just because I'm like, I'm like, I know it's good. I know what I'm getting. Like I'm, I'm happy with that. But so they take this mindset where it's like, okay, we're already popular. How do we become more popular and how do we get into a segment of a potential consumer that we're not tapping into right now because if you go if you look at it from from that perspective and i think it's super smart and i think this is really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this stuff whereas like more and more people and companies are going to be looking for ways to tap into different two different um uh you know consumer bases and stuff like that because that's what you have to do you know you don't get to just sit back like you have to be doing these things like i have um i have an account that does um, that does a QR code on every single bottle that they carry in their store, right? And so, basically, what that does is you get to the end of that bottle, you're like, God, oh, this is really great, or you're midway through that bottle, like, oh, I wish I knew more about this. So you scan that code, it takes you to their website where it has a breakdown of tasting notes, a little bit about that bottle, and then you know, it also gives you the option to buy more, you know. And I think that is like the it's like that kind of forward thinking that you're seeing from small businesses and big businesses embracing technology and uh it's just really exciting and i think you know someone like this you know we're gonna see more whiskeys doing this they're gonna be like these special releases like hey you're gonna have this chance to buy this glenlivet x year whatever finished in this way and it's gonna be on an nft to start off with and I think it's going to become a lot more common than what people are saying. Now, it, it will be interesting to see, I don't know, like, so in two years when this thing actually comes out, right? And then you have the tangible bottle in your hands. Does it then just become your typical secondary market thing? Or does that NFT continue to increase in value? I mean, I don't know, right? Like, it's just, 
the the right to buy it or the right the right to own it almost seems more valuable than when the bottle actually comes out. I don't know. What do you guys think of that, Lynn? What do you think? No, I I think that was a really interesting and point. I don't have anything smart to say about NFT. I feel like hearing your point of view is really fascinating because you mentioned um, that when you first uh, heard of this, it reminded you of, see, I forgot the term because I'm so out of touch with technology. Well, they're, they're <laughs> called, uh, okay, so, so they're called, yeah, they're called wine futures. And so basically what you yeah. do is, um, you know, you can, and, and a lot of wineries do this. Like this isn't, this isn't just like a fancy winery thing. Like, you know, you go to a winery, they'll typically have a barrel somewhere in their tasting room that you're able to taste at that time. But then um, you're not going to be able to actually get it. Like, so let's say like, you know, you buy it and you're like, okay, this is going to be, uh, you're going to buy a case of this. And typically that case would cost just for simple math, like this, the, the, the stuff would originally cost you a hundred dollars, right? Well, if you buy it right now, it's going to cost you 75 instead, but you don't get that wine for like another year, right? So you're buying futures and you're also hoping that what you tasted out of that barrel, cause you know, it's going to change over the, yeah, over the course yeah. of a year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what, uh, that's what I originally thought. But then, you know, the fact that it's basically like buying futures, but mm-hmm. it comes in like this digital receipt and you can take yeah. that digital receipt and then you could sell it to somebody else, hopefully for more and then on and on and on and on and on or, or loop it into different things. Whereas typically with a futures buy, like you, you know, you, you can't do that, you know? So. Yeah. It sounds like a two year old needs to adopt me and take care of me. <laughs> They're just going to end up being richer than me and I'll just be this crazy feral cat lady like I need I need a shower. Uh, man, I'm this this is okay. I'm just having I'm feeling a lot. Maybe it's it's sipping a little too much spring bank and the reality is hitting me that I need to get my shit together, learn technology. No, you just need to listen to the Good Bottle podcast more consistently. Like, we'll keep you up to date on everything, and then like you'll know what to buy. You know, you'll launch your own NFTs. I mean, if if you so like from from your perspective, or like I guess my my outlook, like looking at you, like you you do you do these like really amazing uh, you know projects and stuff like that. These different drawings of different things, like in the same way that you've done different renderings of someone like Kilhoman. Right. Like you have like mm-hmm. multiple Kilhoman ones that you can do. Like you could right. do the same thing with other distilleries, but only make it part of a digital format. Right. Where it's like this thing mm. only exists in this form. You yeah. can own it. And then, I mean, mm-hmm. again, this is this is a very surface level understanding of how these <laughs> things work. But I think that's how you do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to be friend a tech nerd. <laughs> yeah, be, be friend tech nerd. And then the other, yeah, the the other thing that I've learned is like you know maybe do a distillery and like throw a monkey on it. Like I I feel like the monkey NFTs are like really big right now. So oh okay, that's good to know. Thanks. That's that's uh, that, so that's I, that's tech one one from Drew. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm going to steer this conversation back to Penfolds because I'm I'm curious about something, Drew. You you you're saying that uh, they need to. Or they're they're attempting to reach a new a new market. I mean, it's it's literally a, a quote in the in the um the the article that we're, we're reading. 
what what new market are we talking about? I mean, because we're talking about like one percent of the one percent. Like, I, I'm curious what Penfolds is is attempting to do here because one hundred thirty thousand U.S. dollars for for the NFT. Like, there's already only a select amount of people that that's going to reach. You know, right? So, and those people probably already were drinking Penfolds. Am am I wrong? I mean. Yes, or I think you're wrong. you know what? 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 What's the? Or are they getting more out of it based on the marketing? Right, like the from a grassroots sort of perspective, just that just that people are going to pay attention to that, like us, and give them free advertising here uh, and marketing while we discuss what what this is. I think I think it's all of the above. I mean, I I mean, yes, obviously, the. You know, if if the NFT was a hundred to three hundred bucks, like you'd you'd have my attention of like trying to buy that, right? But at a hundred and thirty thousand, like you're already talking to a pretty exclusive group. But if you're trying, like you know, being what Penfolds is and creating this brand of you know already uh, a luxury item right? You're taking that luxury item and you're bumping up another scale, right? And it's just kind of like, it's like, listen, you can't have enough millionaires drinking your stuff is the way that I see this, you know, because that's the, that's the type of person who's going to be buying this NFT is probably someone who's got millions of dollars, you know, to their name. And there's no such thing as too many, too many millionaires buy or drinking my wine. Like no winemaker has ever fucking said that. And they never will say that. Um, mm-hmm. so if there's a way that you can bridge a gap, you kind of, you know, you know, cause, cause again, like you're, you're tapping into to multiple things here. Like you're a cutting edge technology, you're a high end rare wine. And then you're also like, you're, you're, it's what we passion, you know, affectionately call your, your, a dick drop wine. You're just kind of like, like I have mm-hmm. one of one of very few of these it belongs to me that appeals to you know certain people so like i think you're you're plugging into different different avenues like you know are yeah. there going to be penfold drinkers that are going to see this and and invest in it sure absolutely yeah like just you know oh yeah like going yeah. back to what you said just this getting new a generation of drinkers who are in this digital age there's going to be like new millionaires and that's where they're trying to to grasp in some ways it kind of reminds me of like the car industry or exploring hyper cars you have these companies who are very interested in how do i make the fastest car and you have like koda seg and uh, bugatti you know when um uh the the head guy from uh, porsche i forget his name valser yeah he was the one that they, to invent a, a hybrid engine for his um it it was like a very difficult task for him to do and then he figured out how to how to create this this hybrid engine to go really fast and it was just really interesting to see his approach and then uh Koenigsegg who that guy who owns that brand he's just very intuitive and has a different approach to building this car and it captures a very specific, like super rich, like people who just would have their car sitting in front of a living room as like an art piece because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they can, you know. So yeah, 
Yeah, I I think you're just you're you're I think you're casting, you know, maybe not a wider net with this, but you're casting a net with a very specific bait, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what Penfold is doing. Sure, sure. (laughs) They're they're fly fishing in a gold river, you know, like that's what they're that's what they're doing. Um, So I I think I mean, again, at, at this point the thing that I find most interesting is like when that wine bottle becomes tangible, does it, does it maintain its value in the same way? You know, how do you sell that when you have it in hand? Like, how does that happen? So that's just, I wonder if the NFT continues to be a factor at that point. Like it it definitely is, you know, in the two years that people are going to wait to get it. But then when it finally does arrive, what's the, um, I don't know. Like, what's the appeal at that point? So, but we'll see. I think we'll, I think that's a great question. I, I, I that's yeah, it's a really um, it's a really fascinating thing to think about, and I I can't wait to to see it and uh, have you remind me when, when this comes back. Yeah, I'll I'll keep I'll keep my my finger on the pulse, but I think we've I think we've exhausted the the millionaire NFT talk at this point. <laughs> You know who's dope? Them over there. Okay. So, um, all right, then we cut you off. Did you want to say one last thing? No, I I was just like, thank you for bringing these topics up that I would never have thought about. So it's just really cool that you guys stay on top of things and see how it's, the market's changing and stuff. Well, that's, I, I mean, so, you know, one of the, one of the things that we talked about before the show started was kind of like, you know, who are you guys? Like, where, where does this come from? There's nothing on you. And, um, you know, again, these were conversations that, that Chris and I were having for, for so long. And we just were kind of like, like, Hey, let's get other people's opinions on these and let's share them and then, uh, get them out into the, get them out into the world because this is, this stuff is, is our life. This is every day for us. Like we love, we love this industry. We're going to be in it forever. We want to continue to talk about it. So, um, so when stuff like this happens, even if, you know, I, I think I think it was like one of those situations where like I maybe have like thirty percent of the knowledge on NFTs, and then like you guys are maybe hovering around like fifteen to twenty. But so like none of us are qualified to talk about it. Uh, but uh, but we still spent like fifteen to twenty minutes on it. So you're welcome, everybody. Um, but uh, so so but 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 now we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to uh, to my favorite part of the show, and that is our dope follows of the week. Uh, our dope follows we're going to give you cool people to follow it could be their instagram accounts books podcast movies whatever we just that we think is dope right now that people should be checking out so lynn i want to start with you who is your dope follow this week um she hasn't posted in a while so i don't know if it's valid but her her instagram profile is the academy drinks and she's a professor. She actually teaches at Yale uh, about the history of cocktails. And so she just has a really um, broad understanding about how cocktails and its movement comes from like a cultural level and then a historical level. And also like when she had did her graduate degree, um, she had like access to drinking like really rare scotches too like from dead distilleries like saint magdalene so i just really like that she always has something insightful to say 
Um, and as far as podcast goes, I like um, Beyond the Grid. That's a Formula One um, podcast. I, I just like things that I don't understand, and I don't understand cars. But I'm very fascinated by the idea of technology and competition and what strives and motivates people to be at their best and to win and like to be hyper-focused. So it's really fascinating to hear how people operate on that level. Very nice. Those are some dope follows. Mm-hmm. Got two. Two yeah, those are great. I like, I like that. I'm checking out the, uh, so the Academy, uh, drinks, the Academy drinks. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Jessica Spector. Um, we'll start sending her some, some DMS and be like, Hey, start posting again. You know, <laughs> put, put yeah. some pressure on her. <laughs> uh, Chris, what, who's your dope follow this week? Uh, my dope follow is my, uh, very best friend. Uh, he is, so uh, such a good friend that, uh, uh, he's really just a, a surrogate brother. I've known this fool since uh, since cognitive memory set in, and um, his wife is a phenomenal artist. Uh, and I figured since we had Lynn on here tonight, uh, I would also I would also drop her a little bit of love to to her Instagram because she has uh, both both their boys have finally started in school. And so she actually has some studio time now because <laughs> um, uh, she is she has been uh, very diligently being an amazing mother. Uh, and so now she actually has time to herself to, to get back to doing what she loves. Uh, her Instagram is, name is not dope. Uh, so Diana fucking figure it out because <laughs> this is going to be really difficult for people to get for me to get people to follow you. But um, here it is. It is at XQZ. M O I Diana, you're going to have to tell me why, why you did this. Um, and it's been this way and I've never asked you, but, uh, now that I'm trying to hype you up, you're going to, uh, uh, get, get your wife to tell me why, why, uh, why that's the case. Um, but she is, uh, she's an amazing artist. She does a lot of, uh, a lot of paint, a lot of pen. Um, right now she's doing these really, really great pieces, uh, with, uh, her boys on uh, giant safari animals. And it's really cool. Uh, I really, really, really enjoy uh, watching watching her work, um, and I've I've always enjoyed her her artwork, even the stuff that came from from uh, her her school days every week uh, that have been just sort of like hanging up hanging up around around their house. So um, check her out, show her show a little bit of love. If you like anything, go buy some of her artwork. Uh, it is again on Instagram. It is X Q Z M O I. I don't know why. Excuse moi. Excuse oh, moi. Is that it? That looks like it. God damn it. <laughs> that would I took another artist mind to give it to you. That's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. There's literally Excuse nothing linear about that. I think, Excuse I moi. think that's what it Yeah. Fuck, I, I feel like an idiot now. That is dope. No. Nah. <laughs> wow, she's really good. Holy shit. Revelation. I can't draw people. Podcast. Breaking news. Chris is an idiot. That's it. That's it. Cut me off. Turn off my mic. Hanging oh hang up my headphones. Amazing. All right. Well, that's it. Drew, what's yours? Um, so mine is really is really interesting this week. It's uh it's not an Instagram account, although they do have an Instagram. 
It's not a podcast, although maybe they've been on one. They might be on one in the future because if we invite them on. But um, Minus is uh, is called Northern Light Candles. Um, and I'm going to give you give you some background here. Uh, I was was uh, watching Netflix over the weekend and um, one of my one of my favorite comedians is in is in a new romantic comedy and it's about it's like it's centered around the holidays and it's, and it's uh, Jimmy Jimmy O Yang. Um, I just think it's hilarious. A lot of people know him from uh, from um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the the tech show that was on HBO, uh, Silicon Valley. He was on that uh, for a long time, and then he does a he had a really great book and and all stuff. But he's in this new movie, and one of the subplots of the movie is that he wants to make candles, but like candles for men. And I just was like, <laughs> I was like, that is just fucking hilarious. And I was like, I was like, I bet that there is someone out there who's making candles for men. And sure enough, it's Northern Lights. And it's like they they sell themselves as man, manly candles and gifts. And I was like, OK, <laughs> well, I'm that's great. It. I can yeah, light them I'm when totally I take my bath. And yeah. yes, and I so, take baths. I love my baths. Yeah, you should. It's a good soak. It's a good soaking time. And so. You know, for our listeners, they know that like I just, you know, I finally have my own office. And so I've really been able to outfit it the way that I want to see it. So I was like, well, I need one of these manly candles. So um, I ended up getting the dark rum and oak candle scent. And it's uh, it's really, really wonderful. And they do like a whiskey one as well. But of course, I had to go with the I had to go with the rum one just being who I am. So um, so it's so it's northern light candle candles and uh their their instagram is n l c a n d l e s so chris for you that's n l candles i just want to i just want to sound that out for you um but uh but yeah they're just like and and i can't i can't speak to any of their other other candles but i can speak to the dark rum and it is it is fucking delicious uh it's it's really great it's been a, it's been a fun addition it comes in it, I, I really like the packaging on it as well it has like this burnt kind of cork thing on the top of it um but they're out of new york it is a it's a u.s made product too so you know if you give a shit about stuff like that that's something that you can hang your hat on but uh but yeah that's my that's my one and only because i know i've been i've been doubling down a lot lately but that's my one and only don't follow this week. Northern Light Candles. The candles for your manly man. That's what they are. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah. love it. Music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by the Moore Brothers and produced pretty well by me, Chris, and Drew a little bit. Before we go kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Uh, you can also follow us on our social media, which is uh, on tw- on Instagram or Facebook at The Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is dgarrison6. Chris is Chris Sinflair. Uh, Lynn, on the social medias, where can people find you? Oh no, no, promote all your shit. Like, where can all the things? Where can people buy your pictures? Where are all the things? Give it, give it to us all. Oh, my Instagram, confidently, uh, 
that. Okay, it's I am cookie dough, but D O like just do it, Nike. See, I'm terrible at promoting myself. I sound like I'm pimping myself out. This is you terrible. are pimping like, yourself out. This is exactly what we Get want it. you to do. You, this is this no, is it. You've like, been, you've been such a great talker the whole pimping, time. Pimping art and then pimping my body. It's like very confusing, you know. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm just a terrible person talking about myself. Um, my Etsy shop is called Four Shots and Saints. It should not be confused with foreskin and scotch, as some have said. Um, and it, Four Shots is spelled in a nerdy way. F-O-R-E-S-H-O-T-S. Now people are going to ban it because I am not part of the cancel culture. No. No. What? <laughs> no. People, please okay, go to Etsy. Go check out her shop. Also check out our shop because they're great and and she and her stuff is admittedly way cooler than our stuff. So uh, you're not getting canceled. You're not getting canceled. You're you're doing great. Um, so yeah, all right. So check her out there. Uh, you can also check you know check out anchor.fm slash good bottle podcast where you can contribute some uh, some shekels to us so we can buy more of that cookie dough art, which we all need and love in our life. <laughs> If you if you would like for us to cover a story or if you're working on a brand that would like to be featured, uh, please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. And as a reminder, you can purchase the bottles that we drank on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com. And until next time, cheers, everybody. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. All right. Bye.